Hello there, this is Guru talking to you about Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain how. First off, it is absolutely free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more providers. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello there, this is Guru talking to you about anchor.fm. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's completely free. Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to the Ballistic Podcast. This is episode two of our podcast, and we are very excited to bring it to you again, live from Cupertino, California, again in my friend Jeff's basement, except this time, he is our new co-host, from guest to co-host. How do you feel about that, Jeff? Feels great. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to be a part of this growing podcast. And it's been the first episode was really fun and I'm excited. I'm excited to do this again. I'm, I'm sure you guys aren't just making your co-host so that you can use this space, right? Oh, it took you that <laughs> long to find out, huh? Darn, I knew. <laughs> but, you know, this is a crummy basement, but at least it gives us some open space to record this podcast. Yeah, I have space to put my laptop this week, so woohoo. <laughs> yeah. And I'm your co-host, Varun. You just heard our co-host, Jeff, and our co-host. I'm Guru, and love to talk sports, and can't wait to discuss playoff basketball. All right. And with our new co-host, Jeff, we also have a new segment on this podcast. Jeff Sue is going to bring us the Rapid Roundup segment with Jeff. It's going to be a new thing every week where Jeff talks about this week and last week's notable NBA news. So how this is going to work? Well, Jeff is going to have three to five important NBA topics to talk about, and we're going to quickly give our opinions, me and Guru. So, Jeff, you ready? Take it away. All right. This week in Rapid Roundup. Starting off, we have seven-time NBA All-Star and two-time scoring champ Tracy McGrady making the Hall of Fame class. Notably, this was over Chris Webber, who did not make it. What are your thoughts, Guru? I would like T-Mac to make it, but I think the Basketball Hall of Fame is pretty crappy anyway, so. Okay. I personally think T-Mac had no championships, no MVPs, scoring, score, yeah, two scoring titles, as you had mentioned, but him and Chris Webber, uh, I would make a pass. I think at one point, Tracy McGrady was, could, was a, a compared with Kobe Bryant as the next Michael Jordan, but uh, I think other than that, other than that, 
That was uh, sorry. Guru is trying to hush me on this. I should I should, I should move on. <laughs> so the Ooh, next this is Jeff's segment, by the way. <laughs> the next topic is the new logo from the Minnesota Timberwolves. Does this mean a new era with this team? Well, it's great timing. Well, I would say that last this year they almost got a playoff spot. They're gonna come along next year. They got some really exciting talent. Yes, it signals a new era. All right. Speaking of new eras, the Palace of Auburn Hills from the Pistons, the Pistons Arena is closing, and they're moving to downtown, downtown uh, Detroit. What are your thoughts about the legacy of the Pistons, Guru? Well, obviously, I was only born in '92. Didn't see much championship legacy, but I did see LeBron score 35, 25 straight points in the fourth quarter and overtime in that playoff win against Detroit. That will always stick out for me. I mean, I think everybody remembers that uh, big fight, Malice in the Palace. I was trying to avoid that. Oh, come on, man. That's like the most memorable thing about the Pistons Palace. I think I think the legacy should be that they were the first modern NBA arena with the uh, luxury suites, which is now a common staple among NBA arenas. Well, moving on, the this has been one of the most historical seasons in the NBA in terms of statistics. Notably, Russell Westbrook this past week broke the record for most triple doubles with 42 in the season. And also there have been a record 10 players who scored more than 50 points this year. What, in your opinion, is the best statistics for this season? You know what? The average PER for an MVP over the years has been 26.1. And this year we have 10 players who reached that mark. Wow, that's crazy. So supposedly there are 10 MVP candidates out there, guys. Good luck. How about Isaiah Thomas? Boston Celtics, five feet nine, 29 points a game. Celtics grab the number one seed. I think he deserves MVP consideration. That's been a great story this year. Well, speaking of MVP, this has been one of the closest races in history with four potential MVP candidates and maybe even more. Uh, The top four candidates I can see are Harden, Westbrook, LeBron, and Kawhi. Who do you think out of those four? Give me like two players that you guys think would be most suited to win it's tough but i think russ and Kawhi both have had fantastic seasons their teams would not be where they are without them i hate to leave out harden but i feel that i agree with Varun. wow I, in my opinion i think harden should be in the top two along with westbrook wow okay but this concludes our the rapid roundup for this week the inaugural uh segment And moving on, we will be talking about the first round of the NBA playoffs. Thank you, Jeff. Wow, that was a great rapid roundup there. How about that? Give it to Jeff. Our inaugural rapid roundup segment. All right, we're going to have more for you in the future. For sure, for sure. And But without further ado, it's April, guys. And you know what April means? Playoffs. (laughs) (laughs) Wrong song. Wrong song. Uh, Uh, What's the playoff song? I have no clue. TNT, who cares? Go ahead. Who, who TNT cares? is the better one. TNT I, is I, the better I, one. <laughs> but obviously, we've been looking forward to this month, this week for a long time, and it's finally here, and we finally get to talk playoffs. So without further ado, let's go to the playoff matchups. We're previewing all first-round matchups that are happening, and who knows? Maybe you get uh, a little bit of predictions from everyone here. So without further ado, let's get the show on the road. Um, so the first matchup we're going to talk about are is the Portland Trailblazers going up against the Golden State Warriors. Now, we all know about the Warriors. This is their third consecutive season with 60 wins. 
and uh, I believe that's a record, Jeff. I, I'm, uh, I'm not I'm not quite sure about that, but they do have a record for the most wins after three seasons. Don't matter if they don't win the championship. Just saying. <laughs> I would agree with that. I'm, I'm sure the Warriors are perfectly aware of that after what happened last season. Right. Now the Blazers started off the season pretty slow. Um, we're uh, below that eight seed for quite a bit, but with the help of a favorable schedule and the acquisition of Yusuf Nurkic, they uh, finally captured the eight seed and uh, have been there for three three games or so. They clinched it with three games to go. And uh, Damian Lillard's playing very confidently, and the Blazers are a pretty confident bunch as a whole. So uh, what do you guys think? Well, there's still no no news on whether or not Nurkic will be able to play yet. Um, I think they're still deciding, waiting on the results of his x-rays or something. Um, but I think even with Nurkic, Nurkic gives them the best chance of winning. But even with Nurkic, they're not likely to win more than one game, in my opinion. Varun, what do you think? Okay, let me just open my uh, LeBron James notebook Oh dear, from high school. Oh, dear. Which I've never used until now. I think that's irrelevant to our current conversation about the... Oh, we're going to talk about LeBron. You see LeBron in his Cleveland uniform. <laughs> okay, anyways. Okay, Warriors versus Portland. Okay, obviously you guys touched upon it. Nurkic is key. They're 14-6 and six with Nurkic. Without him, I think they've been pretty bad. Now, the Warriors' small ball lineup has not been as effective this year, and that's because Draymond Green is shooting 30% from threes, and that is going to be a problem in the playoffs. So, Portland will have a chance if Nurkic is healthy, which... I mean, I don't know. They said a broken leg, right? Two weeks for a broken leg. I t- he's <laughs> I he's participated so. in light shoot around, but other than that, they've been very very quiet about yeah. the status of his injury. I, I've searched everywhere. Yeah, and um, Portland has a lack of defense. I mean, Lillard is one of the worst defensive players at his position, and um, I don't know if they can guard the Warriors in general. But with Nurkic, I think they give them a good chance. And um, it'll be up to Lillard. He's been averaging 30 points since the All-Star break. So he's going to have to be the key leader. Right. So predictions, guys? I think the the Portland Troublers take one game. So the Warriors in five. No Nurkic. It's a sweep. With Nurkic, I give them two games. Maybe I, even three. I think with or without wow. Nurkic, I would give uh, Portland a game. And uh, it looks like uh, Warriors in five to me. So without further ado, let's go to the next matchup. So the next matchup we want to talk about are the Bulls and the Celtics. Mm. Surprise, surprise, guys. The Boston Celtics are the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Did not see that happening at all, especially the way the season was going. But hey, it is what it is. Thomas, MVP. King of the fourth. I I mentioned him as king of the fourth on my my paper. Big reason why. 28.9 points per game. But the postseason has been really weird, Jeff. Um, they started off pretty fast, faster than people anticipated, then had a slump where people were, uh, players were talking shit about each other on social media and uh, traded Taj Gibson and Doug McDermott, so, which sort of looked to me as if they're waving the white flag. But they've turned it on as of late and with the help of a favorable schedule, made the playoffs as the eighth seed. Rondo, Wade, Butler, a lot of playoff experience. Can they use that against Boston? I mean, the playoffs, it doesn't really matter what they do in the regular season. It's playoffs time. This means a clean slate. The only thing is they have three home games as opposed to the Boston Celtics who have four. But I think with those three names you just named, Wade, Butler, and Rondo, 
those three have been known to perform in the playoffs. And I think with those, you have, you have a chance of winning it. How likely I think they're going to, if they're going to do it, I really don't think so. But I think they can take them to maybe a game seven. What do you think? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. All right. Let's slow down a little bit. Dwayne Wade, there was a stat, actually, you guys had mentioned this, that the Bulls perform better without Wade on the floor. So, I, you know, and Wade, he's 35, and the Celtics have a lot of good perimeter defenders like Avery Bradley, Marcus Smart. So I don't think Wade will be the problem. I do think Rondo could be a problem, but I'm really worried about Jimmy Butler, you know. Problem he's a superstar. For the Celtics, you mean? Yes, for the Celtics. He's a superstar. Who, who do you like on, a, on the Celtics since you're a Celtics fan? Who's the X Factor that we have no idea about? Kelly Olenek, coming off the bench, has played really, really well. He's played great defense. He's been a good playmaker. It's actually gone under the radar for everybody, but he's been great for the Celtics. Now, I think it's all up to Butler. If Jimmy Butler plays out of his mind, then the Bulls have a chance. But otherwise, I think this is the Celtics to lose. I mean, one versus eight. Yeah. I think this is the Celtics to lose. Yeah, I'd like to point out that they did split the season series two to two. And I I think that, that shows a lot. And I think... That doesn't always say how the playoff series will go. I think the playoffs is defined by their star players. And who's yes. going like, to be the better player? Jimmy Butler or Isaiah Thomas? Scoring-wise, I think Isaiah. But overall, Butler's a two-way player. He can make a lot more plays. I think there's a stat out there that Isaiah Thomas is the worst defensively rated player in well, the NBA. It, it makes well, he's sense. not that bad, but I mean, he's he's around. He's five foot nine. You yeah, know, it makes sense. Yeah, for sure. So um, predictions, guys. Okay, I'm gonna say that despite them being an eight seed, they can cause some trouble because of Jimmy Butler. So I'm saying Celtics win four to two in six. I think I alluded to this earlier. I think. They take it to Game 7. Oh. Celtics in Game 7. 7, seven games. Man, such disrespect for the Celtics. Come on. I, I also got Celtics in 6, but watch out for the Bulls. I mean, if the Celtics want to get into close games with the Bulls, I think that spells a little bit of trouble for them given the playoff experience on the Chicago side. So let's go to our next matchup, the Pacers and the Cavs, guys. So it isn't breaking news that the Cavs didn't finish the season the way they would have liked. The Pacers, meanwhile, have been sort of hanging around that last playoff spot in the East for the duration of the season, but Paul George has really turned it on as of late. And the addition of Lance Stevenson to the bench has really helped them propel to the seventh seed. The Cavs won the season series 3-1, to including a wild double overtime game uh, that happened uh, several weeks ago. But is it too much to ask the Pacers to give the Cavs a good series? Okay. A very interesting stat. The Cavs have the worst defensive rating of all the playoff teams, which is essentially defensive efficiency. They're the worst out of all the playoff teams, which is a concern. But Ty Lue has said that, oh, we're holding our cards in for the playoffs. I mean, I don't know if they can really turn it off and turn it off, turn off, turn on their defense like a switch. But I guess we'll find out come Saturday. Okay, I think Paul George, of course, he's got to carry because Jeff T is inconsistent. Miles Turner struggles against the really good teams. So it's, it's on Paul George's hands. But otherwise, I, think, I don't think Indy's much trouble for the Cavs. I think the X factor for the Pacers is Miles Turner. He's going to be the biggest guy on the court because just, just last week, Larry, actually, I think it was two days ago, Larry Sanders was dropped from the team, was waived. 
Um, and, and, and they don't really have much size. They have, they have Trishan Thompson, they have Kevin Love, both barely 5'6'9", and Miles Turner is going to be able to have opportunities to score over them. And I think if he can perform like he did in the beginning of the season where he was putting up these crazy stats, they have a chance. I would say um, with Miles Turner, I was actually looking at his game log, and he's performed terribly against the really good teams. Boston, Toronto, uh, Cleveland, San Antonio. I saw his games against all the best teams. He's been pretty bad. He's gotten his points off the really bad teams. So, I mean, we'll see how his impact is in the playoffs. If you're looking at veteran savvy, I think a player to watch is Jeff Teague. He has also really come on as of late, and we we talk about the Cavs' defensive struggles. They really struggle defending the three-point shot, and that's where Jeff T can come in and really make an impact. So, uh, but once again, I think Jeff T also he's he's been inconsistent this season. So I, I think it it depends what side of Jeff T do we see in the playoffs. That's going to be a big factor. I, I think that him. same question applies to Paul George as well. What side do we see of that's him also a as good well? Point. Yes, I yeah. think that same question applies to the Cleveland Cavaliers as well, especially with their defense. Okay, so predictions, guys? Um, I think the Cleveland Cavaliers win in six. Okay. I gave Indy one game, but I think the Cavs turn five. on the defense. But okay. Cavs in five. I got Cavs in five, too. I, do, I just don't think that uh, the Pacers are good enough offensively to exploit the Cavs' terrible defense. Anyways, to the next matchup, the Memphis Grizzlies against the San Antonio Spurs. The San Antonio... Sorry. <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> are you, you're, seriously, you aren't. Who's going to watch that playoff matchup? I am. You know why? You know why? Why, Guru? Why? Come on, Guru. Who wants to watch that? Because matchup? they split the season series 2-2. True, true, true. And um, the Grizzlies have played, played the Spurs pretty well all year. Grizzlies. All four games. I actually happened to catch all four games. And really? They were actually pretty wow. like entertaining games in the sense that they were close and they were competitive. Um, so... Spurs are making the playoffs for their 20th consecutive season, model consistency. but And also a big season from Kawhi Leonard. We all know that. But they're going through a tough stretch. They've lost four of their last five, seem to be out of rhythm. rhythm. And if there's a team out there that you don't want to see when you're out of your rhythm, it is the Memphis Grizzlies. David Fieldsdale, new coach, has brought, brought his own new touch to the grid and grind. And uh, when they're rolling, they're as tough as any team in the West. So... I guess what I'm trying to ask is, is an upset possible? Okay. You you say this for the season series, but the Grizz have, they don't have a lot of talent. And if you heard today, Tony Allen is out. Yes. He's, he's not there for the playoff. That, that, uh, that's huge. That's huge. So who's guarding Kawhi for the Grizzlies, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, just some stats. Last year when they played, it was a sweep. Spurs swept the Grizzlies. Well, that was a really short, shorthanded Grizzlies. They had, to, they had to dig pretty deep together. Yeah, Jordan Farmer was starting. It was just, it was just right. a mess. I don't think you should... I should oh, disregard I'm, that. I'm not done yet. 2013, both teams healthy. It was a sweep. Spurs swept the Grizz. It was the Western Conference Finals in 20, 2013. 2013 was, yes. was four years ago, sir. Four years ago, I agree. Four years but, ago. You know, Mark Tim Gasol is still there. And Mike we, Conley is still there. If, if we go back far enough, we can go back to the time where the Grizzlies upset the Spurs in an 8-1 playoff matchup. So... We, yeah, I mean, but we can go back in time all the at, time. Look <laughs> at the current Spurs team. Kawhi Leonard is a superstar. LaMarcus Aldridge has been playing really well uh, the last couple of months since his heart uh, issue. And Dwayne Dedman is a great defensive player in limited minutes. They got a lot of great players on the Spurs. And look at the Grizzlies. They're shorthanded again. Tony Allen is out. They don't have a lot of talent. I don't see it. 
Well, you can also look at it being twenty out on the out allows them to play shooting guards that like actually shoot and help spread the floor a bit. Because Tony Allen, remember when they played the Warriors and they literally just put Bogut on him? Exploited and won him. The game. Exploited yeah. him. But Tony Allen d- didn't get a whole lot of minutes this year as it is. But he was a very strong defensive but, presence. And not having Tony Allen on Kawhi is going to be a huge issue for the Spur- uh, Grizzlies. Wait, who starts for the two guard with uh, Tony Allen out? Yeah, you no know? one cares. Um, I don't even know. I don't know. It might be Troy Daniels or Andrew Harrison, one of those. Really not really big names out there. Right. Okay, so uh, predictions, guys? Sweep. The only way the Grizz get even in one game is if Mike Conley plays like a true superstar. Really? Yes. I think Marcus will play well, but Mike Conley's got to play like a true superstar to even win one game, in my opinion. I think it's a 4-3, especially with the way the Spurs are are playing right now. And the grit and grind. Oh, come on. Grit and grind Memphis Grizzlies. Yes. Okay. It'll be a low-scoring game, but 4-3. What do you think, Gru? My prediction is between the two of your predictions, I say the Spurs winning 4-2. But Spurs win, yeah. Yeah, and Spurs I, and six, though. I, I, think, I think this, uh, the Memphis defense can decide games. I, I see that you're saying that Tony Allen is out, but I think their defense is more than uh, Tony that's Allen. That's not all I'm saying. I mean, the Grizz this year have not, are not very, very talented. They've had some rough spots. I think, Fact, I think the last month, they've been pretty bad. Year in and year out, they've always been written off. But during the playoffs... And they've never gotten close, except for 20. But they're, they're definitely more competitive than people think. All right, guys. Uh, that's enough for that matchup. So let's go to the next matchup. The Oklahoma City Westbrooks against the Houston Hardens. This is probably the best matchup. Wow. Uh, I- I'm just kidding, guys. They have teams, and um, I mean, obviously, you got to, you. I referred to the two MVP candidates, and voters wish that they could watch the series before they could make the, before they're making their vote because this is going to be one hell of a series against with two superstars going at it. The Rockets have set a record for the most three pointers made in a season, and obviously, it's a big part of their team. And obviously, Westbrook has set a record for triple doubles, so. It's it's oppo- opposing in that way, but which OKC team is going to show up in this series? Is it the team that beat the Cavaliers, or is it the team that lost to the Suns who were tanking? Guys? Which OKC team will show up? I think it's a team that held Harden to only 34% shooting for the, yeah. the series. They only 22% from three. And still was beat by the rest of the team. That's what I think is the team that will show up. Um, I think OKC's biggest problem is a lack of firepower. I mean, they have Westbrook and only Westbrook in terms of offense. Ennis will, will score some points off the bench. Oladipo will, you know, make some shots. But I think it really... Russell Westbrook is the one. And how hard, how well they guard him will decide the series. Um, and I, yeah, and I think... I think, yeah, the Rockets just have too much firepower. Like, if you look at the Rockets side, they have Lou Williams off the bench, Ryan Anderson, a bunch of other players that are averaging over 15 points. And just, it, I, I can't see the the, the um, OKC stopping that. They can stop Harden, but they can't stop the rest of the roster. What do you think, Bruin? I agree. They've got a lot of firepower, but the Rockets have a pretty bad defense. They can't guard anybody in the paint. In fact, they're the worst team when it comes to... Um, it's true. Yes, guarding in the paint. In the paint, yeah. And... Westbrook attacks the paint with veracity. They got two pretty talented bigs, Steven Adams, Cantor. You know, I think they got to be on their games 
for because I think OKC comes into this matchup as the underdog. Do you guys agree? Yes. I think that's what everybody's saying. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. So I think Adams and Cantor have got to be on their game. And um, and I think Jeff touched upon it. I just want to uh, expand on it. Harden has averaged 34%, 20 points against OKC this season. And when Roberson is guarding him, he has issues. I believe it's Robertson. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry, Robertson. <laughs> Robertson. Andre Robertson. I think they keep him on Harden. And I obviously they have a lot of firepower, but Harden runs the engine. So I think if... Ultimately, if they stop Harden, I think they can stop the Rockets. By the way, by the way, Russ, when he averages a triple-double, OKC is 33-9 and this season. Yeah. So if he gets triple-doubles, I think that's a good sign. But I don't think Russ will um, aim for triple-doubles this time around. It's, I think wins are more important. Right, but it's just coherent. Like, when he gets a triple-double, the team wins. Right, so right. So if he gets a triple-double, the chances are that they could get the win. I, I see what you're saying. I have nothing much to add, actually. You guys pretty much touched upon everything I wanted to talk about. So, predictions? Predictions. I think it goes to Game 7 and the Rockets take it. What do you think, Bryn? I agree. Game, game seven, 7, OKC takes it. Wow. I actually think Houston wins this in five games. I, oh, I'm not. I'm not very confident in OKC's ability to score and keep up with Houston. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm looking at the inverse relationship. Houston doesn't have much defense, but I don't. I don't think OKC can catch up with Houston scoring. So I'm going to say Houston in five. Interesting. Why do you think? Why do you think seven for OKC? That's that's a bold prediction. I'm counting on the fact that Stephen Adams, Cantor will show up and play well. And they'll rebound because Rockets aren't a great rebounding team either. And I think if Cantor and Adams can hold down the paint, get the boards, score, I think this is OKC's series. Interesting. All right, guys. So on to the next series. It's the Milwaukee Bucks in the sixth seed against the Toronto Raptors in the three seed. Very interesting series, you know? It's funny that uh, the Raptors, for pretty much the second half of the season, were trying to fight fight out of that four seed so that they would avoid p- playing Cleveland in the first in the second round. And look what happened. It's Cleveland at number two and Toronto at number three. So that seems like an inevitable second-round matchup. But let's talk about this first-round matchup for a second. Obviously, the Toronto Raptors are led by Kyle Lowry but and DeMar DeRozan. And an interesting statistic, when DeMar DeRozan scores more than 30 after the All-Star break, the Raptors are 10-0. So they obviously depend on DeMar DeRozan wow. a lot for their scoring. Obviously, Kyle Lowry's back. I saw him for a couple of games. His wrist looks okay. And um, he looks to be in rhythm again, but we'll see come playoff time. Obviously, you talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. You cannot mention them without mentioning Giannis Antetokounmpo. Well, as Jeff said in his new segment... The Greek freak. Top twenty in all in five in the five major categories, first in NBA history. But I think that Chris Middleton is the guy that actually drove the Milwaukee Bucks to the playoffs this year. And his their their rise as a team coincides with him coming back from injury. So I guess what I'm trying to ask is can the Bucks pull off the upset against Toronto? Okay, so you know the Bucks are surprisingly efficient in scoring. They're fourth in the league in field goal percentage, which I which pretty surprising to me. I didn't know they were actually that efficient in scoring. But I mean, you know, the Raptors are they're way too well rounded of a team. They're a great offensive and defensive team. And you look at that starting lineup, it's it's pretty tough. Kyle Lowry is back healthy. DeMar DeRozan, the stud, 
Ibaka, Valanciunas, Demario Carroll, I think, is small forward. Am I right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And their bench is very strong. It's a very underrated bench, but it's very strong. They play really good defense. I, I, I would agree with you, but I would also say that which playoff team is going to show up for the Raptors? You know, last year in the playoffs, they stretched Indiana to seven games and Indiana wasn't even in the same league. They stretched Miami to seven games. I have issues with the Raptors in the playoffs, at least in the last couple of years. Jeff? Well, okay, before Jeff speaks, I just... You'll get your turn, Jeff. I, I just I have I, to refute okay. Guru's argument. The Raptors are a pretty different team this year. I want to just point out that DeMar DeRozan was not the stud he was last year as he is this I year. I think you could see the makings of him last year based on but his but this year he's doing it it was the makings were there last year but this year he's executing and that's a huge difference well yeah but last year's playoff was definitely if you were a Raptors fan it definitely gave you a heart attack after the end of the playoffs because they barely squeezed out that Pacers matchup and you were right Guru they were looking really bad Lowry and DeRozan I think they were called the Trash Brothers in terms of how they were shooting but um, I think I think it was good that they did played so poorly last year and having that experience, they've been in the playoffs for the past the last three years, whereas the Bucks are a relatively young team, and they've only made the playoffs once in the past three years, and I think that'll make the difference and put Toronto over the edge. So, what, what, what do you like about the Bucks, guys? What do I like uh, about them? You be, okay. I, I feel like we've talked about Toronto a lot. Yeah. What do you like about What do you like about the Bucks? Of course, the Greek freak is the key, and he's incredible. I think uh, I don't know how Toronto guards him actually because. <laughs> 6'10", he can move around so well, and I think he's incredible. I think um, the Bucks. I think they have to focus on their front line. They've got a pretty underrated front line, in my opinion. Greg Monroe is a pretty good scorer off the bench. Great six-man, yeah. Yeah. Brogdon, is, he's played well for a second-round rookie. I think um, Giannis has to get everybody involved. I think that's the key for the Bucks. What I like about the Bucks is their future. Um, they might. They, I don't think they're going to win this year, but they have a lot of young pieces They've been together for a few years, and I think next year they can even make a pretty, you know, second round run. But this year, I don't. I think Toronto, with their experience, will be pretty much the dominant team. I agree. All right, good stuff, guys. Uh, predictions. Okay, um, I'll I'll actually give the Bucks a game. I think Giannis could go off in one game, and Toronto could. You know, you're talking about last year in Toronto. I think they could have one of those games this year in this series. So I'll give I'll give I'll say Raptors in five. Even though I've been just saying such great things about the Raptors, I think Lowry still needs time to get back into it, and they might need to still work things out. And I think the Bucks will be able to sneak out two games. So uh, Raptors in six. I also got Raptors in six. I also think uh, Giannis, w- with his uh, lack of playoff experience, I guess, doesn't pull out this series, but this will be a good good experience for him i think he'll take this and the bucks will take this into the future so good future for them though bright future we all agree there right so let's go on to the next series the jazz and the clippers let's do let's do washington first okay because right right it's a boring series we'll get it out of the way (laughs) we'll get it out of the way okay so it's the atlanta hawks against the washington wizards so pretty i mean Polar opposites in in terms of teams. I mean, you got you talk about the Atlanta Hawks, sort of a middling Eastern Conference playoff team. It's their ninth consecutive season in the playoffs, which is the second longest streak in the NBA. So you got to give them props for that. But 
at one point they were they lost seven straight games and you were wondering whether they were going to miss the playoffs and that was sort of a testy time for them but they did win games down the stretch to eventually make it and make the five seed the washington wizards have been a surprise this year uh led by john wall of course but bradley beal and Otto porter have been the driving force behind that improvement and they have one of the best starting fives in the league they have 27 games where all five starters scored in double figures this year. Will it be the Hawks' experience or the Wizards' skills that win this series? The Hawks' experience. I don't really understand what you mean by that. Can you can you elaborate? Yeah, it's their ninth consecutive season in the playoffs. Nine consecutive. But they they were they lost a lot of their key players. I think, in terms of Jeff Teague and you know Kyle Korver, they're not the. And the same team that was. I, I think Jen, Dennis Schroeder is more is a more than apt replacement. This, I think it's, he's he's too new. It's his first year, and he's been really inconsistent. Really, really inconsistent. In terms like of their that. starting point guard, yeah, they've, he's been one of the most inconsistent. I can't really judge like how good he's going to be because he's had ups and downs so much. Um, and yeah, I think Wizards with the way they've been playing, the fourth, they are only they are fourth and fifth seeds, but in theory, I think that gap should be a lot bigger. I think the the um, the Atlanta Hawks they lost that, during that seven game streak they were the fifth place seed the whole time they did even drop a seed so I think yeah I think there's no chance for for Atlanta. I would say the biggest question for Atlanta is can they score consistently because you look at their lineup and it's not a very good scoring lineup. I think Paul Millsap and Tim Hardaway coming off the bench. I think he's very key or is he starting now? I'm not sure. But it's Tim, on and off. Yeah. Tim Hardaway, I think, is the X factor here. I think Tim Hardaway gives them the best chance at an upset. But I think it's they're too inconsistent when it comes to scoring. And for the Wizards, I think it shouldn't be a problem. They're the just too deep. Fine. They're yeah. just too deep. Every position, they have a solid backup. That's my opinion. Yeah. yeah. I think they, they their trade for Bogdanovich was great. Yeah. And Brandon Jennings gives them some good minutes off the bench. So I think this is the Wizards to lose by far. Um, Atlanta, can they score consistently? That's the big question. Right, so it feels like you guys have sort of uh, given away your predictions anyway, but officially? Washington in five for me. Agree. Wizards in five. I give the Hawks one game because Millsap and Howard could, and Hardaway, I think they could probably get one game. I'm going to have to agree. Wizards in five. I don't, I don't think the Hawks can make this as much of a series. So let's go to the final playoff series that we haven't talked about yet. Probably the closest one, the one that makes people shake their head a little bit. You know, it's the Utah Jazz against the Los Angeles Clippers. Sorry, the L.A. Clippers, as they like to be called. So the Clippers finished the season with seven straight games and seven straight uh, seven game winning streak and took over home court in the first round that the Jazz had for quite a bit. But the Jazz have had an extremely solid season on their own, led by Gordon Hayward, All-Star, and Defensive Player of the Year candidate, Rudy Gobert. Maybe this is the Clippers' last rodeo together. There have been rumors that Blake Griffin might be on his way out. We're not quite sure about that. But I guess for the Jazz to be competitive in this series, they're going to need a lot of contributions from their veteran supporting cast. You're talking George Hill, Joe Johnson, Boris Diaw, Joe Ingles. What do you think about the Jazz's chances against the Clippers, being that the Jazz are a young team and the Clippers have, you know, been here for a while? Okay, I think this is going to be the most competitive matchup in the playoffs, in the first round. 
Utah has had a great defensive season. Rudy Gobert, DPOY candidate, Defensive Player of the Year. And um, the Clippers have actually, you know, they have gone under the radar in the last few, uh, last couple of weeks. They've had a really hot ending. And they're going into the playoffs with a lot of momentum. And I think they're underrated, actually, going into the playoffs. And I would say the Clips actually match up pretty well with the Jazz. DeAndre Jordan, Rudy Gobert, that's a good matchup. Blake Griffin, I mean, who's going to guard him on Utah? And Chris Paul, of course, the guy who leads the engine. Every year, you know what you're getting with him. Um, it's a great matchup, though. Jeff, what do you think? Yeah, I think Guru touched upon this. This, this After this year, it really does seem like if things don't go well, they're going to blow it up. I think you mentioned Blake Griffin. Another name out there is J.J. Redick, a key part of their offense. Um, yeah, I think that Utah has been looked really good this season. They finally reached their potential in terms of what team they can be. But the Clippers have been grinding it out year in and year out and not making it out of the first round for a lot of years. And that one year when they beat the San Antonio Spurs in the last shot by Chris Paul, I think those experiences will allow Clippers to succeed in this close matchup. Yeah, and I think the the keys I just want to touch upon is going to be Utah's bench. For Utah, they're a pretty deep bench. And um, Joe Inglis is a great player coming out of the bench. Yeah. Inglis, Inglis, yes. Joe Johnson has played great. Boris Diaw, they got some really versatile pieces off their bench. And for the Clippers, it's because their bench sucks, it's going to be about can their starting five outplay the Utah Jazz? I think with the Clippers, sorry, the the, the, yeah, the Alexa in the background is going off. You okay. must have triggered it somehow. Um, but with the key for the Clippers is that, um, uh, sorry, Doc Rivers usually only plays around eight players in a game for the playoffs. So I think their top eight can compete with any team or basically compete with any team, not name the Warriors. Um, so I think because of that, it's the playoffs players play more minutes i don't think being having a deep bench really matters that much in the playoffs so uh, that's also a good point yeah i think the clippers are pretty talented but you know can they keep up their consistency from the last couple of weeks i think that utah should actually use their bench to their advantage because i i talked about the fact that they're a veteran laden team and they need a, a veteran laden a young team with veteran players that help those young players and um i think it'll, they'll be they'd be well served to play those veterans a lot more minutes than uh, they're usually used to so that they they could possibly be competitive in this series. And a guy that I guess you guys forgot to mention, Boris Dial, I think he's actually an X-factor in this series given that he can play multiple positions. Yeah, versatile. Very, Joe Johnson, too. He can play power forward this year, which <laughs> who saw that coming? Joe well, Johnson completely changed his game. He can play power yeah. forward now. That's... Yeah. Oh yeah. Go ahead. What were you gonna I say? I think Jeff? Drew, brought, you brought up the point that they could use their bench, um, but I think that only matters the most if they're running an s- extremely fast-paced offense. And the Jazz have the wor- the slowest pace in the NBA. That's true. And That's because true. of that, they're not going to be able to uh, make the Clippers have tired legs, and I think that is to their disadvantage. Right. So I think they've touched upon everything in this series, most yeah. things. So uh, predictions. Go ahead, Jeff. Well, I think. It's pretty clear that I think Clippers are going to be better, but I think the Jazz give them a good challenge and Clippers in seven. Clips in six. I think Clippers are too talented. Blake Griffin, I think, is going to play have a great series, and he will lead the Clippers to the second round against the Warriors. All right, so 
I remember on the first episode of the podcast, we sort of talked about this matchup a little bit, and I said that the Jazz would win. But uh, I've seen how the Clippers have played over the past couple of weeks, been really impressed with them. And uh, the fact that they have home court advantage now sort of tips the, tips the scales for me. And I'm going to say Clippers in seven. Hmm. Okay, so we all agree yeah, there, agree. Clippers. I think we, uh, I don't know how, how much we agreed on our playoff matchups, but um, we had some very differing opinions. I don't even remember. I think anymore. for the most part, we. Cho- <laughs> I think for the most part, we chose the same. I think yeah, yeah, we've chose the same teams for most matchups. This first round doesn't look that great in terms of competitiveness, but in terms of number of games and how competitive a losing team could be, that's sort of where we disagreed. About. I think Houston OKC is where we all. Yeah. Because I said OKC, you guys said Houston, right? Both of you. Right, and okay. I even I said Houston in five, so yeah, even more polarizing. And, I think that's the only one where we disagree on. Which team wins? Yeah. yeah, especially for the East this year, the gap between four and five is so big that it's really hard to say that any of the four lower teams are going to be able to upset. So, right. it's so, really the, so, guys, just very quickly, any second round matchups based on your first round matchup predictions that you're looking forward to? Okay, hold on. I, I got to calculate and see who's in the second round. Just got to get the matchup. So, Warriors will face the Clippers. I think that would be pretty exciting. That'd be pretty exciting. The Warriors have blown them out in, like, every matchup, right? So, I mean, I, I mean, the, the Warriors... are a different story. The Warriors and the Clippers have some really good matchups because for the Warriors, for some reason, just get up for that team. and Based on pretty much how they were beat down before. Yeah. Say in the Game yeah. 7 of the playoffs. Right. Three years ago. And but, yeah. yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Guru. No, no. I, I was pretty okay. much done. But I think the matchup I'm looking forward to in the second round, assuming all these picks go as is, Boston-Washington. I think that will go seven games. Really excited to see that matchup because those two teams don't like each other at all. How do you think uh, Washington's going to dress for those games? Yeah, I don't give a shit, man. Extra, they, extra they black. Show up, who gives a damn? They're going to be they're going to be leaving in black. <laughs> are you see, oh, are, are you making oh, a prediction there? Winning. I'm, okay, I'm uh, making it right now. Boston beats Washington in six games, maybe seven, but I'm saying six. I, I sort of want to see a Cavs Wizards Eastern Conference Finals, but if Boston deserved to win that series, I, I wouldn't mind seeing a Cavs Celtics Eastern Conference Final matchup. Uh, but what about Cavs Raptors? Any thoughts about that? Um, is that going to happen? Cavs Raptors? Wait, I mean, according Cavs? to us. Two? Oh, right, that is. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, uh, you know, actually the Raptors are a really well-rounded team. So I think I think we had talked about this last time, but if there's any team in the East that can give the Cavs trouble, in my opinion, it's the Raptors. So it'll be an exciting matchup, but uh, I think the Cavs still win. Um, yeah, based on their record, you can't really go against the LeBron James team from winning winning in the playoffs. It's, you know, I'm pretty sure he's going to get to the finals, and it's hard to predict otherwise so but what about you what is the one matchup that you're looking forward to second round second round matchup well i have to go with what guru said which is the warriors against the clippers that is gonna Actually, i said that just oh you said that i'm yeah. sorry i I, <laughs> I got a little confused there but i think that would be a really exciting to, to, to see it'll either be a really bad beatdown for by uh by the warriors to the Clippers or the Clippers will get up for this game and you know you might see some aggressive plays here and there but it'll be it'll be exciting Guru how about you yeah I'm gonna have to say Warriors and Clippers again just because of the relationship between those two franchises and the revitalization of that rivalry yeah 
Um, but I mean, I think for the most part, we agree that this is going to be a pretty boring first round. I mean, Houston, yeah. OKC, Utah, LA Clippers. I think those are the exciting ones to watch. Maybe Boston, Chicago. I think if I Jimmy think, Butler heats it up, yeah. yeah, I think it could be exciting. But for the most part, pretty mundane, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, I think we're. I think that's it for our, this week. Any finishing thoughts? Any last thoughts, Guru Jeff? Jeff, mm. you're officially our co-host. Our yeah. third co-host. I'm excited. I'm excited for things to come and talking about basketball. I'm excited for the playoffs. Been waiting for this for a long time and can't wait to actually see the games how and how they play out. Yeah, I can't wait to see Boston Crown be crowned as the champions at the end of the day. All right. Hold, they'll be they'll be champions. They'll be champions of the draft lottery. Hey. They'll, they'll be champions of the draft lottery. So let's yeah, yeah. let's see them get out of the first round first. Burn. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. And I think with that, we uh we're done for this week. And we'll have more for you next week. And we had a really good time filming our second episode of the Ballistic Podcast. And we're looking forward to next week. So this is Varun, Guru Jeff, signing off. Until next week, guys. Thank you.